What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, as always, Jonathan Terry, and it's just me today in the studio slash kitchen table. But don't worry, we've got a really good episode for you today. We're going to talk the proposed NFL CBA. We're going to talk XFL, some MLS fantasy. Uh, But yeah, let's jump into it. So first things first, we have a new segment that I'm rolling out. We're calling it Starting Five. Not necessarily sold on the name. I I like it. We'll see how it sticks, see what you guys think. Um, Basically, we're going to begin the show, hence starting, with top five anything. It could be... You know, some ideas, top five numbers in sports history, top five jerseys in the NBA. Uh, For this week, we're going to be going over the top five quarterbacks in the XFL. So if you guys have an idea for a name, one that you like better than starting five, I mean, I like it. I I do, you know, but there's always room for improvement. So if you guys think of a better name, DM me, text me, uh, leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts with your name suggestion. That would be a really good one. So go right now. And go to Apple Podcasts if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Give it a five-star review and then leave a rating either with your name suggestion or saying starting five is great. I like it. So everyone go do that right now. Super, super important. Let's get into this starting five, though, for the time being. That's the name we're going to go with. Coming in at number five is the Renegades quarterback Landry Jones. Landry Jones has led the Dallas Renegades to a 2-1 and record, both wins actually coming on the road. Um, looks solid so far, statistically, 579 yards, 72% completion percentage, four touchdowns, and four interceptions. So just my initial impressions of him, obviously, uh, I I think I reposted a video of him running, trying to get a first down, or no, running away from a sack, tripping and falling. Not the most athletic quarterback in the league, and, you know, not, not close. You know, it's like he's, he's bottom two, and, and that's being generous. Um, he can move up on the list. Uh, he, he goes for a lot of boomer bust plays and a lot of his interceptions really aren't on him. I mean, if you look back at the games he's played, now remember he missed week one in the XFL. So you can't fault him for that game where I think they lost, didn't they? Yes, they lost to the Seattle, uh, St. Louis Battlehawks. So he's two, two and oh, as a starter himself. Uh, so playing really well in the games he's been in, but like I said, takes a lot of chances. Uh, sometimes his receivers just drop the balls. Like, He's probably at one interception if the receivers hold on to it, uh, but he can easily move up the list. He was hampered by injury week one, missed out, so he's playing a little bit behind from uh, from these players, but my best comp for him is he's kind of like Jameis Winston, uh, except a lot slower and without as much upside, I think, because, um, you know, Jameis has, he can roll, he can move a little bit, uh, but number five, Renegades quarterback Landry Jones. Coming in at number four, is the D.C. Defenders' Cardell Jones. Now, Cardell Jones was probably top two coming into this week uh, in in a face-off against the L.A. Wildcats, but he had one of the worst games out of any, really any quarterback so far, uh, throwing a high volume of passes. He threw four interceptions uh, in, in this game, going up against an L.A. team that was already pretty weak at uh, at against the pass and they were missing their top two corners so just all around it should have been a really big game for him um he actually lost his first game high school college or professional combined he was i think a third third or no 13-0 college and professional uh, so suffered his first loss 
And it kind of reminded us of all those questions we had about him before, you know, decision making, trying to keep plays alive, maybe doing too much. Um, and, and we saw it here. It did affect him statistically on the season, 602 yards, 58 completion percentage, four touchdowns and five picks. But you take away week three and he's looking really solid. So this could just be a bad week. But going up against one of the worst defensive teams and getting demolished when you were you were the team, you're, you're number one, um, it's difficult. But hopefully he can bounce back uh, and, and maybe move up this list. Maybe we'll have to bring it back at some point uh, as we move on into the season. Coming in at number three, former NFL quarterback actually started for the Redskins last few weeks of the season. It's LA Wildcats' Josh Johnson. Now, he also missed week one of the season. Um, wasn't in the lineup, but came in in week two and week three and really put some life into this into this team. Um, obviously, they, they they like I said, came off of a big win over the D.C. defenders. Josh Johnson was the star of that game by far. Uh, where Cardell Jones lacked at the quarterback position, Josh Johnson made up for it. 18-25, 278 yards, three touchdowns. Has not thrown an interception on the season. Completion percentage is at 61, so... Not the best, but not terrible. 463 yards, five touchdowns. Like I said, no picks. Some of the balls that he's throwing are beautiful. I'm think, uh, The one I keep coming back to was um, last game against D.C. D.C. was, remember, they're a top-ranked team. He throws this perfect ball right in the corner of the end zone into the hands of his receiver. And that a few plays earlier, he had another pretty ball that just bounced off the hands of his receivers. So he's, I mean, he's making plays. He's putting balls in really good spots, making plays with his legs and with his arm. I mean, LA has to, you have to feel good coming off, you know, 0-2, uh, played a tough team in the Renegades the week before, but coming in and demolishing the defenders, beating them by 30 in LA, getting the crowd into it, getting getting some, some the ball rolling for your team. And with Josh Johnson, I mean, Anyone will take 463 and five touchdowns in two games. Like, that's fantastic stats. Uh, but coming in at number two, St. Louis Battlehawks, Jordan Tamu. Now, Tamu has the best completion percentage, 76%, which is absolutely insane. 612 passing yards, four touchdowns, two picks. He is the epitome of, um, I don't want to say system quarterback because it, it limits, you know, I think he's extremely talented. I've got him at number two for a reason. But the team tells him, this is what we want from you. And he, he puts, it's a perfect game plan that he executes. So, you know, it, it goes hand in hand, I guess you could say. Uh, the, the offense doesn't ask him to do too much. He's not having to take a ton of deep shots. Um, but he's comfortable in that intermediate 10 to 15 range is, you know, mixed in with some dump offs. But he can also make plays with his legs. So the offense doesn't ask too much of him. And the defense he faces doesn't ask him to do too much either. And he's really thriving in that role. And the Battlehawks are surging. They're, they put together a couple strong showings, and they just had their first game in front of their home crowd, and St. Louis was electric. I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but St. Louis, in my opinion, it's St. Louis, Seattle, and D.C. are the top teams uh, or the top fan atmospheres that, that they put together. But uh, Tamu is looking really good, looking really solid, um, and he could move up this list, although I don't think he will because the Houston Roughnecks PJ Walker who comes in at number one is far and away the best quarterback in this league from what we've seen uh, looking at his stats here 748 passing yards no one has over 650 he's thrown for 10 touchdowns no one else has thrown for more than five 
and he's also completed 64% of his passes. He's got Cam Phillips, one of the best wide receivers in the league, and whether Cam Phillips makes Cam Phillips makes him better or he makes Cam Phillips better, I don't really know, but Cam Phillips has more receiving touchdowns than any other quarterback, obviously besides P.J. Walker, has passing touchdowns so far this season. He's got seven. So absolutely amazing what he's able to do. And you, you can look at stats and you can make an opinion, but I suggest that all of you that are listening to this, uh, just your homework for tonight, go, go on YouTube, search up P.J. Walker XFL highlights. I mean, he's making sidearm throws. He's escaping the pocket. He's doing everything you could ask for. He is the Patrick Mahomes of the XFL at this point. That's, that's what I've gathered. He is the best player on an undefeated Roughnecks team. So it gives him a clear advantage, and he's throwing dimes everywhere. He likes to take deep shots, uh, and his passing yards could be boosted even more, but defenders are constantly having to uh, draw pass interference calls just because the balls are placed so well, and they have nothing else they can do. So we'll have to look uh, we'll have to look into that, see just how many pass interference calls they've gotten, because that's easily over 100 yards that could be added to his total. At 64% completion percentage, that's, I mean, that's right where you want. 65 is average, but he's taking shots. Like, he is making throws, uh, deep shots every time, staying aggressive, and to only have one interception uh, is is crazy. I mean, we'll have to look into advanced stats or something like that to figure it out. But there's nothing Philip Walker, P.J. Walker, uh, has, has not been able to do. I mean, it's crazy to think uh, this guy, the reason I'm very invested, so for those of you who are interested, my power rankings of my favorite teams. Obviously, I have to go Seattle Dragons 1, but it's Houston Roughnecks 2 because of, of P.J. Walker. He was on the Colts. He was on the practice squad, um, and he struggled in preseason. He didn't look the best, but he's been more aggressive, and obviously it's apples and oranges, but he's been more aggressive in this offense than Jacoby Brissett was in the Colts offense all last season. Um, but yeah, obviously not the same thing, but I'm excited for his success and Honestly, he, out of anybody so far in this league, he's going to be getting the most face time. He's going to be getting talked about the most as quarterbacks are. And I would be shocked if he doesn't receive a training camp invite and he's not at least backing somebody up by this time next year in the NFL, unless he wants to stay, unless he wants to be in the XFL and play. And maybe, you know, his asking price can go up a little bit. It gives him, I mean, it gives all five quarterbacks great leverage um, with what they're able to put on tape and they're able to play, you know, with as well as they've been playing. Granted, different defenders, but the arm talent, I mean, arm talent is there. You know, if you can make those kind of throws, you can make those kind of throws uh, regardless. But, so that's going to do it for this, the the inaugural segment uh, of the starting five. Check back in next week. We'll have a whole new top five. I'm excited for this one. I think it'll be fun, and it'll keep things interesting. You know, we, we've gotten into a lull a little bit here in February, Draft talk is kind of building, but not quite there yet. You know, we're getting into the combine this week, uh, and March Madness is still about three weeks away or so. So hopefully this will keep us uh, held over till then and provides a little bit more entertainment when we get into the exciting stuff. But as far as overall, my thoughts of the XFL, a lot more shakeup. I wasn't able to watch the games, but I actually went on YouTube. It, uh, it's fantastic, actually. They're 10-minute recaps of every game, so you get to watch all the meaningful action in 40 minutes. So that's what I was doing last night, catching up on all the games, because I, I had a busy Saturday uh, Saturday night, Sunday myself, um, but a lot more shakeup in the XFL. L.A. took down D.C., like I mentioned. L.A. came into it as 
uh, they hadn't won a game yet. Josh Johnson, number three on my on my uh, starting five, but they hadn't won a game yet. DC was blowing teams out. Cardell Jones, uh, Donald Pumphrey. Uh, oh, who's that other guy? Sorry, I'm I'm totally blanking on names here. You, you're gonna have to cut me some slack. I mean, the XFL, it's all new guys. Uh, some of them I vaguely know. Um, so it's it's gonna be a bit before I before I'm solid with these names. But yeah, Kari Lee, uh, a guy that that many of you may have have heard of before, um, along with Donald Pumphrey. Um, they've they've got a really solid team, but LA just came in and took it to him. Like they did a really good job of of setting up runs, taking taking those shots when needed. Really allowed Josh Johnson to have control of that offense, uh, and Johnson was able to make plays with his legs too. Uh, not even, you know, not necessarily running the ball only six yards, but getting guys open, throwing throwing deep balls, really placing the ball well, which is good for him. And Tampa Bay, the Vipers, played it close with the Roughnecks. Now, I thought both of those games were going to be blowouts, but one was a blowout in the way that most people weren't thinking. And Tampa Bay had the ball inside the 20 with five, five minutes to go um, and had a chance to tie it up because they lost by seven. But it really could have gone... Um, either way, you know, if they'd open up the door. Another thing, St. Louis loves football. I can't believe the Rams moved. Like, what? I don't know. I if if there's ever a chance for expansion or teams looking to relocate, like maybe say Jacksonville, I'd suggest going to St. Louis. I mean, the the fans, it was it was rocking in there. Just listening to um, li- listening to the Guardians trying to call plays. The the, uh, the crowd was really getting into it on defense and just overall um, obviously a really cool moment there was a girl who said she'd trade Girl Scout cookies for a football and one of the defensive ends uh, obliged got her that football and he got a box of thin mints Um, that's the other thing too XFL has created so many viral moments in these just three weeks that are like wow that's really cool Um, it's hit or miss with these player interviews especially that was one of my big concerns going on but when it hits it hits I mean it's it's great um, and for a little a little hometown segment, my Seattle Dragons, hot and cold, uh, played a really solid two and a half quarters of football. Um, we're we're getting after it, getting after things defensively. Um, Landry Jones, obviously, you know, with the with the Renegades, he's got talent. He can, you know, he he made it in the league. Um, was was a solid backup. Cameron Artis Payne, Lance Dunbar. Uh, there was another, yeah. Donald Parham hit like 21 miles an hour on his touchdown run, and he's six eight. Like that's if I'm an if I'm an NFL scout, that's got to turn my head a little bit. I mean, a guy that big reaching speeds that fast, crazy. But Brandon Silver's got was more on his game this time. Last week really struggled to place the ball, uh, but he put together a couple of dimes. Austin Prohl, who was Mitch Trubisky's top target, that's that's my best comp for Brandon Silver's actually is Mitch Trubisky. So Austin Prohl, his top target UNC, uh, kind of cool how that overlaps. But I think the XFL, they've got a really good chance for success. Vince McMahon, uh, the guy who created it, realizes it's going to lose money. And I think they were a bit safer in their estimates, which helps them in the long term because they don't think there's going to be massive amounts of revenue. Um, having ESPN and Fox as TV partners, no offense to CBS, but I'd rather have those two than CBS. Um, it, it just makes it easier you know, the ESPN has bigger names. They're able to hype it up more. People are paying attention when they're talking about it. Um, they're leaning into these sort of celebrations. You know, there's big hits. Um, there's a lot of viral moments, like I mentioned, the football with the Thin Mints. And they've got some really good environments, some really good football environments that 
there's a good chance. I'm not going to go ahead and say that this will be like they'll be everything they want to be, but I don't think they're going to fold halfway through the season. Now, obviously, you can clip that and and on the off chance it does replay it all you want to, but it seems like you're going to get a solid season, but then you got to figure out where to go from there, obviously. Will they be a breeding ground for players that don't want to go to college? Will they be a developmental league for, you know, somehow work out a deal with the NFL to set something up like that? I feel like at some point it's inevitable. You're going to have to poach from college or work something out with the NFL uh, or else it's just going to be eh, football. You know, there's no purpose, no, no meaning behind it, but really good showing so far, especially week three showed that there wasn't as much of a talent gap as I originally realized. Uh, but let's move on to the NFL so there's an NFL proposed collective bargaining agreement. The owners did not uh, unanimously vote it through, but it got at least 24 to sent to the player to be sent to the players. And the players' union voted six to five not to recommend the proposal. This isn't that doesn't act as an end all. Uh, everyone in the players' union gets a chance to vote uh, vote on it. Not all of them are going to vote, but the rules state they need a majority of the votes. To, to make it pass, not a majority NFLPA. So there's 2,100 players in total. Uh, so chances are maybe if 1,000 vote, you're going to need 501 to get it through. But here is the skinny on what's been proposed so far, what the owners accepted, and what they sent. Uh, it'll expand the playoff field to 14 teams, which I don't want to get into it today. Maybe we can talk about it later. A lot to unpack, and it seems like everybody wants to revamp their playoff system. Uh, that would that would give us three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, uh, and only one team would get a bye. So the number one seed gets a bye and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Uh, I, that's just too too much of an advantage, in my opinion. I I don't think um, I don't think it's fair to the number two seed. I mean, they're really gonna it's really gonna suck for them. But obviously, it's a whole different style of rust versus rust uh, rest versus rust debate. Um, that'll unpack if this thing does eventually go through. Um, so I don't know. I, I really don't know. Regular season, the big one. Here's the big one. Regular season will be increased to 17 games, and one preseason game will be knocked off, leaving us with still 20 total, but 17 games um, with regular season, 17 games that actually matter. And if that 17 games goes into effect, the player revenue share would increase from 47% to 48.5%. So based on the fact that the there was a report that said the NFL's annual revenue was $15 billion, that 1.5% doesn't feel like a lot, but it would actually lead to $22 million total increase in revenue share, which it's a pretty big chunk of change. It would also reduce penalties for players testing positive for THC and would eliminate game suspensions, and practice squad would be boosted from 12 to 14 players, and minimum salary on the practice squad would be $10,500 a week. So initially, Richard Sherman, J.J. Watt, Leonard Fournette, all don't like the 17 games. I mean, it's a lot. They Well, they said they didn't like the CBA as a whole, obviously, some speculation as to why it might be. Um, but 17 games is a lot. That's really what it comes down to. The owners are making a ton of money, but they don't realize how much it really costs to to get uh, meaningful meaningful play out of these players. Guys are getting are dropping left and right, getting injured. Uh, adding another game just increases the risk for that. Uh, they also don't believe it will generate the owner, the revenue the owners think it will. So they're they're hyping this up as you know fans. I I think it's there's some some sort of business business logic in here where the players don't see the correlation of a games increase to that same revenue increase. 
Um, maybe, maybe fans don't care so much. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say I'm an expert in the business side of things. I try to give you guys, I'm trying to do the best I can to explain it, uh, you know, and in simple, in the simplest terms possible. So I'm not going to overstep my bounds here and speculate on whether it will or whether it won't, uh, reach that, you know, it's increased in that same level that they think it will, but that's just what the players are saying. And there would be no increase to 17 games if it goes through next season, uh, but it would happen, and we're assuming 2021, but it would have to happen between 2021 and 2023. So the vote was delayed for the players. Some are split. It feels like some of the guys that, uh, you know, some of the stars are going to be against it a bit more. Maybe the uh, the guys on the bench will be voting for it because, you know, look, that just gives them more money, essentially. It gives them a chance to, to make some more bank, but they're not putting their bodies on the line as much as some of these other guys are. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully we can get somebody who who knows what's going on here on the podcast to talk about it and we can discuss and figure out whether or not this really is a good a good move for the NFL and why some of these players are so strongly against it. I mean, maybe there's something in in the legalese that I missed and other people missed that really these owners are taking advantage of the players in, in some sort of way. So that'll be interesting to look out for. Um, and then here we go. Another segment that I want to introduce. This one I'm also excited about. Um, MLS Fantasy Corner. So I'm in an MLS Fantasy League. I think we had, yeah, we had Jordan and Carson on last year to talk MLS. Uh, and we kept joking that maybe we should bring it up. But I'm going to go for it this year. So every week I'm going to provide you guys some tidbits. Um, hopefully people I'm playing in the league with aren't listening uh, so that they won't they won't steal my my good tips but disclaimer i am not an expert in the slightest in uh, soccer and specifically mls so take this take these projections and take these ideas um with a grain of salt it probably won't be what what uh many many believe it will be so my first tip and this is going to be the starter for every week start carlos vela LAFC forward and make him your captain. So captain, for those of you who don't know, will double his points, uh, making it extremely effective. So you want to pick the right guy. You cannot go wrong starting Carlos Vela every game this season and starting him as your captain. I did it all last year, and he he rarely let me down. I don't want to say never let me down, but he rarely let me down. Uh, he's just he's the best player on the best team. Well, one of the best teams. Sorry, obviously, big Sounders fan over here. Uh, one of the best players on one of the best teams in the entire league, and he's he's getting it done. Like he is the, you know, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Like I said, not a big MLS guy, but he's he's your go-to, he's your safe bet. Also, LAFC starts their season against Miami, who uh, is actually an expansion team, so may not be as effective. I mean, they could be really good. Don't get me wrong, they could be really good, but I am. This is what I'm doing personally, doubling down picking up Kenneth Vermeer, the uh, the goalkeeper for LAFC, as well as Eddie Segura, defender, hoping for a shutout because, you know, they don't really have that team chemistry. Um, they There could be some some lapses in, in their offensive attack and their defensive attack, hopefully. So the max is three that you can have from one team. I would recommend taking all three and, and going for it. And my final tip here, this one's kind of an obvious one, but don't start a midfield or attacking players that go up against your starting defense or goalkeeper. I mean, kind of obvious. You don't want them scoring goals on you uh, so that 
you'll lose points even though you'll gain points. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Plan for success. Get different guys. There's The league's big enough. You can find different players. So uh, don't worry too much about that. That'll do it here for the MLS Fantasy Corner. Go all in on LAFC for this week and for the rest of the season, start Carlos Vela. Be sure to check in next week for all sorts of helpful tips as we move throughout this season. But we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, I'm going to go over the NBA Power Rankings. Uh, They just released today. Uh, 10 to 1 we're going to count them down talk about what's good what's what could use a little bit of work and we're also going to talk about the Celtics Lakers game so don't go anywhere we'll be right back all right we are back from break and let's talk a little basketball I know we haven't really been focusing on it as much like I said the NFL season it's been a lot about football and I promise we talked some basketball although we've gotten a lot of of other stuff mixed in but here we go so on Sunday, which for those of you who are listening to this podcast as it's out would be yesterday, uh, Celtics played the Lakers in what really was an all-time game. I mean, it was back and forth. No Kemba for the Celtics. Jason Tatum had probably one of the best games in his career uh, on a big stage, going in, uh, playing in L.A., going up against a, a fully healthy Lakers squad. Uh, it was back and forth for a while. A couple of questionable calls. I know. I remember there was a goaltending call that for some reason LeBron got the refs overturned. Although, upon further review, it was, I mean, obviously the refs the refs couldn't do anything about it at that point, but it was pretty clearly a, a goaltend. Uh, Brad Stevens got a tech late for uh, what uh, Van Gundy put really, I don't know if it was Jeff or Stan, but they worded it really well, basically saying that Brad Stevens is such a, a nice guy normally, and he treats refs with respect, that when he lashes out or a call doesn't go his way, he, he gets penalized for it, which... I mean, kind of sucks for the Celtics fans and, and for Brad Stevens. Um, and that led to a lot of people saying that Brad should maybe try to become cooler, you know, like be be more vocal, like change his persona. But I mean, obviously, you got to stay. You have to stay true to who you are. Um, but definitely unfortunate. Uh, a, a call that would have changed the game. But ultimately, LeBron iced it with a nice shimmy fadeaway um, over Jalen Brown. And here's the deal. Jason Tatum. Uh, Stats-wise, 41 points on 12 of 20 shooting. Obviously a really good job there, putting the ball in the basket. A fantastic work by him. And the thing with the Celtics is they're they're getting knocked for uh, not really having elite talent and also supplementary stars. But looking at this lineup here, I mean, you got 20 points from Jalen Brown on sub, 50% shooting, so a decent night. Gordon Hayward couldn't hit anything, 5 of 15 and 0 0, 0 of 5 from 3. Uh, including a missed layup at the end that would have put them up by four, I think it was. So they weren't on their game. They were missing their starting point guard, and they still pushed the Lakers to uh, only win by two points, which is, I mean, what more could you ask for, really? Uh, you know, obviously a little bias there with my uh, with my Celtics, but they're looking good, and we'll see how things move along here. But let's look take a look at these power rankings. So we're just going to talk one to ten here as we close out the episode. Number ten is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, I mean, I, no one could have predicted what could have happened. I was reading an article a couple days ago talking about how Billy Donovan was dedicated to making that combination of Schroeder, Paul, and Shea Gilgis work when a lot of people, you know, expected Paul to just be collateral, like move on, uh, be moved to a different team. Like the Heat, I think, were, were one of the favorites. Uh, but Chris Paul was an all-star this year. Shea Gilgis is in the running for most improved player, although I think it really ultimately is going to go to Devontae Graham. Um, and Dennis Schroeder's played solid. I think they're, in that in that article I was reading, 
It said that their lineup of those three, uh, Danilo Gallinari and Steven Adams, has the best plus-minus out of any starting five in the entire NBA in clutch minutes. And they also lead the league in, in clutch wins, uh, games decided by five points or less. So they're they're sitting they're sitting pretty in in the uh, in the Western Conference standings. Let's take a look here. Uh, let's go. Here we go. They are right now locked into the six seed, half game up on Dallas, and Dallas has a six game lead over Memphis. So a game behind Utah, who actually comes in at number nine on our power rankings, slowly but surely starting to get that whole Mike Conley situation figured out. Uh, many people believe that would be the next the next step, giving complimentary star to Donovan Mitchell and somebody who can run the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert. Hasn't I mean it's it hasn't worked out as well as they could have hoped uh, here on the season. But Donovan Mitchell's having a fantastic year, uh, 24 points, four rebounds, four assists. Rudy Gobert, uh, solid defensive presence, grabbing 14 rebounds, 15 points. Uh, but yeah, Conley, 13 and a half points, only four assists. Not really the the go to guy that they really would have. Um, hoped he would be but still plenty of time I mean from a chemistry standpoint there's a lot to figure out and they're five they're they're five uh, in the Western Conference which is no tall task 15 games above above 500 that's uh most teams will take that uh, next up here at number eight we've got the Miami Heat Miami Heat are another big surprise this season along with the Thunder Jimmy Butler's really come into a role of his own statistically here 20 points seven rebounds six assists two steals just everywhere on the floor, and he's he's been supplemented by Bam Adebayo. He's really uh, done well. Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, and getting Jay Crowder at the deadline uh, is definitely an underrated piece. I think we talked about it before. Um, Iggy's played well, but Crowder really is, in my opinion, the guy that that was the centerfold for that trade, and he's going to be a difference maker uh, come playoff time. Man, obviously having Iggy doesn't hurt too, but they're really loaded on uh, wings and specifically wing defenders. I mean, look, you just look at their lockdown guys here. Uh, Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, they can shut it down. Bam Adebayo, uh, play center, but can play that forward spot. Uh, Tyler Hero, guard, he he can shoot, he can play defense. Uh, just Kendrick Nunn, also a big a big story there. And Goran Dragic running point. I mean, this is a solid team top to bottom, and they're in good shape. Uh, to make a run if they can somehow pass up the Celtics for that three seed and avoid having to play the Bucks in the first round they very well could be on their way to the Eastern Conference Finals um, I mean obviously who knows where what, what's going on with the Raptors but they are up here later on the list but let's keep it moving number seven we have the Houston Rockets sitting at 37 and 20 uh, Russell Westbrook has done a decent job I mean I think well, I don't know. I, I think for what we expected to happen with with these guys, James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook meshing together, I think it went about as well as you could have hoped. I mean, combined their, what is it, 62? Yeah, 62 points. Um, Russell Westbrook, 27 points, seven, eight rebounds, seven assists. James Harden, 35 points, six rebounds, seven assists. Um, but yeah, PER, both over 20. Uh, they had to let go of Clint Capella in order to get another wing scorer, in Robert Covington, which they they really wanted, so that gives them. They're another team like the Heat that have a lot of three and D guys: uh, Harden, Westbrook, Covington, House, Mclemore. Uh, uh, you know, just th- there's there's a lot of talent on the offense and defensive side of the ball. And another, really, Covington's another guy that fits seamlessly into their game plan of uh, running and gunning. But coming at number six, we've got the L.A. Clippers sitting at 37 and 19 on the season. 
they they have some problems. I'll admit there are things that they have not figured out yet. They got Marcus Morris at the deadline, uh, but Paul George hasn't been the player that they really would have hoped he would and basically the dark horse MVP candidate he was last year with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Kawhi Leonard's playing fantastic, 27 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, uh, and a nice 26 PR. Montrez Harrell, I mean, they've, they've got depth. Like, if, once they get it together, it's, it's really game over uh, for a lot of these teams because the Clippers match up perfectly with the Lakers, and come playoff time, I have a really good feeling they'll shut them down. But right now, it's a chemistry issue, um, but they still have time left in the season if they can get guys playing meaningful minutes. If they can get... Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the court together that'll save a lot of problems because remember they've got player options that are set to expire after next season so if things aren't going the way they want to they don't at least get to one title in that time both could opt out and choose to join another team so it's definitely something to look out for Uh, we're going to move one up here on the standings uh, to the number two team in the west and the Denver Nuggets sitting at 39 and 18 uh, made a questionable move at the deadline, like we talked about. Gave up a couple young stars. I think Beasley dropped Malik Beasley dropped 28 last or a couple nights ago with the with the Timberwolves. But as a team, the, their biggest issue. I mean, this is kind of a good problem to have, unless it runs into uh, they run into more problems later. But they just don't have. They only have one ball, and they've you've got Jokic, Murray, Barton, Millsap, Jeremy Grant, Gary Harris, Monty Morris, Michael Porter Jr. All these guys that like to shoot you know need the ball in their hands I mean if they're not scoring it's Monty Morris who's a creator he does well setting people up uh to score so a lot of these guys really need the ball um and figuring out how to how to make that work especially in the playoffs that's going to be the real issue uh is you know now they're fine like they're a good regular season team and they've proven that they can win um but putting it together when it counts in crunch time with a team that I mean Millsap is your most experienced guy and uh, he's, you know, the only thing he's touched is an Eastern Conference Finals uh, with the Hawks a couple years ago. But we'll see what happens there, what Mike Malone can do with that team. Coming in at number four, we've got the Boston Celtics. Talked about them a little bit. Um, yeah, tough officiating. I don't think, I don't know if I reiterated that enough, but 47 minutes of that game was fantastic. And the last minute uh, got bogged down by reviews, some questionable calls, a technical foul that shouldn't have been called. But regardless, Boston sitting at 39 and 17 on the season. Really surprising a lot of people with the way they've come together as a team. Jason Tatum is a legit superstar. I, I feel very comfortable in saying that. He's averaging 23 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Kimmel Walker's dropped 22 with 5 assists. Jalen Brown's got 20 points. Gordon Hayward's got 17. Marcus March got 12 and a half. And then after that, it drops off pretty heavy. I mean, you've got a mixture of Tice and Cantor um, playing the big with Rob Williams, who's coming back from injury here. But you've got a lot of, of youth on the bench, uh, not a ton of of depth, and that's going to be an issue come playoff time because you're going to have no problem in those final five minutes. I mean, they played they played the, the Lakers to the wire without Kemba Walker. Playing in crunch time is not going to be an issue for them. Jason Tatum can make the big shot, and if he's getting locked up, you've got Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, all guys, Marcus Smart even now. I definitely feel like we can throw his name in there. Guys that are all comfortable Um, you know, working the ball, finding the right shot and playing as a team, which is something we didn't see a lot of last year. So this is very exciting to watch. Uh, And coming in number three, we've got the Toronto Raptors at 42 and 15, actually a better record than this time last year with Kawhi on the team, which, you know, caused a lot of people to call out Kawhi and say, oh, maybe he's not really that good. But, you know, all things considered, Pascal Siakam is legitimately 
uh, a star. He's he's scoring 24 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, three and a half assists. Takes a lot of the pressure off of the other guys. I mean, Van Vliet's been playing at an elite level ever since. I think he got his tooth knocked out in the finals, and he's just been on another level, absolutely. Uh, Kyle Lowry scoring 20 points a game, also dropping eight assists. Van Vliet's got seven. Like, they do a really good job of sharing the ball. Nick Nurse is a fantastic coach. Uh, and there's a good chance that we see them at least in the Eastern Conference Finals this year, if not the finals. I think um, the Bucks right now are proving to be far and away the best team in the regular season so far. Uh, who knows where they'll be, uh, you know, obviously with a lot of inexperience. But a lot of teams in the East have that inexperience. I mean, the Raptors are the only team that has been to the finals as, as a unit, um, largely, you know, obviously without Kawhi. So... That will be the big thing, which teams will be able to show up and which teams will be able to uh, continue to produce. But coming in at number two, we have the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, LeBron has been playing at another level this year. Well, I shouldn't say another level, but he's playing at an elite level uh, still. He hasn't dropped off yet whatsoever. I don't think there may be a chance he just never does uh, this season scoring 25 points a game, uh, 11 assists, eight rebounds, PR of 25. But Anthony Davis is, I mean, he's hes done a really good job of making sure Anthony Davis knows it's his team. Anthony Davis is leading him in scoring with 27. He's got nine and a half rebounds, three assists, two and a half blocks. He really is the guy on the team. And shout out to LeBron for making that happen. I mean, he understands Anthony Davis is a free agent after this year. If he doesn't, if they don't A, win the title, or B, make Anthony Davis feel like, hey, L.A. is a place I want to be, then that's on him, and he's going to have to live out the rest of his playing career suiting up with Kyle Kuzma, Caldwell Pope, Avery Bradley, Danny Green, you know, whoever else they can scrap together from the from the, the veteran market. So this team, you, you, can't, you can't ever count out a LeBron team, but the fact that LeBron has now become the number two star makes them insanely more dangerous. Uh, and and it it takes pressure off Anthony Davis in the playoffs because he doesn't have that kind of experience and LeBron does, so look for him to keep deferring. You know, obviously rest up a little bit, but we're gonna see probably another level of LeBron, and there's a good chance we see another level of Anthony Davis uh, here in the in the playoffs as as we approach uh, as we approach May and June. And finally, at number one on the list, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks have been playing at another level this season. Giannis is probably going to be the two-time MVP. I mean, he's really putting in the work. He's playing efficiently. His team is winning a lot of games. 30 points, 13.6 rebounds, six assists, uh, and he's just everywhere on the court. It seems like every night he's got some highlight here or there. Um, and the Bucks are a really good team. I don't know. Like, there's not really much else you can say. Chris Middleton, an, an all-star. Uh, they've got a great supporting cast with George Hill, Brooke Lopez, DiVincenzo, uh, Eric Bledsoe. The only thing is, what kind of experience do they have? Not a lot of guys have been there before. Not a lot of key guys have been there before. And it's going to come up to Giannis. I mean, obviously last year, you know, they, they fell short of their goal. But this year it seems wide open. Like the the Raptors are obviously missing Kawhi. The Celtics are a little bit iffy. Miami Heat are the story of the season. But they're still, you know, not... They're, who knows how they'll fare in the playoffs? And the Sixers, I mean, they've got a lot to figure out. Ben Simmons may be injured. And, uh, you know, if they're getting a high seed, they're not going to play a lot of games. They're not going to be able to get home court advantage, which is something that they've really thrived with. Um, so 
definitely interesting to see how this the rest of the season plays out. We'll try and get a couple guests on here that uh, understand the NBA a little bit better than I do to be able to talk and, and get their insight and see what they think. And maybe we'll come out, who knows, maybe we'll come out with a power ranking of our own. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed it, like I said, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Come up, Give us ideas for segments. What do you guys want to hear? Do you want, should we do rugby? Should we do cricket? I mean, I'll learn about cricket if that's what you guys want to hear about. But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week.